Raw Ag is your link to the food chain, and every episode will take you somewhere along that chain. From conception to consumption, you will hear from the cutting-edge players in Australian agriculture with industry news, unique views and presentations. We can all be better farmers, sustainable, regenerative and innovative. We can all be more informed and aware consumers. And Raw Ag is your next step in that direction. Brought to you by Ace Radio and Tamania Angus. I'm Kate Mead and today it is my honour to introduce you to host Tom Gubbins. In this edition of the Raw Ag Podcast, I'm speaking to James Wagstaff. James is the recently appointed editor of the Weekly Times. He is a trusted journalist in the rural sector. Welcome to the uh, Raw Ag Podcast, James. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. And um, you've got a, a, a new job. I do indeed, yes. So uh, last month, I think, well, we've been in the hot seat for about three weeks. Um, yeah. Took on the editorship of the Weekly Times, so I've been with the been with the business um, for about seventeen years. So it's a it's, it's an exciting step up. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. So, whereabouts have you come from, James? Just tell us a little bit about your past, because you're a boy from the bush originally, weren't you? I am. Yeah. So I grew up on a sheep station in the New South Wales Riverina. Um, uh, we were 90 k's from town, so I suppose ag was very much front and centre of um, my life as a kid. Um, from a young age, I um, had I was told I had a bit of a way with words, I suppose, so hated English at school. Shakespeare did nothing for me but really enjoyed writing. <laughs> um, so really wanted to head down that kind of journalism path. Um, I started off doing work experience as a, as a school kid, I suppose, at the uh, daily newspaper in Wagga. Um, and when it came to the end of year 12, I kept going back there in my, my school holidays. And um, by, the came, by the time it came to the end of year 12, um, they offered me a kind of bit of a role as a copy boy slash cadet journalist. So... Yeah, I think the good thing about working on a large regional daily, I think you get to interview everyone and everyone that comes comes through town. So John Howard was PM at the time. Tim Fisher was a local member. We had hometown hero Mark Taylor was the Aussie cricket captain. So it was it was a really interesting time um, at that stage. We had, you know, there was Michael Slater, Wayne Carey, Paul Kelly, the list goes on. Wagga, obviously, huge sporting yeah, town. Had it, but had it yeah, didn't it? it? It did, indeed. But I suppose ag was where my passion lay, so I kind of ventured into that rural journalism space in about 2001. No, no, hang on. 2000 and, yeah, it was 2001. And then in about 2004, I kind of came down to Victoria and to the Weekly Times, so... And since then, served in a number of roles from reporter to livestock editor. I suppose I remember going to the Tamania sales when they're at Colac back in the day, and yeah. uh, business editor, um, chief of staff, and, and deputy editor as well. So, yeah, it's yeah. been a, it's been an interesting ride. So, um, we're still going to hear you're, you're still going to put pen to paper now. You, um, I always worry, particularly certain research scientists, scientists sort of 
go up through the ranks in a research company and end up the CEO or something of it. And then unfortunately, their great career comes to an end because they're stuck in administration. I hope yeah. that doesn't happen to you. No, well, that's that's the one thing that I, um, you know, in during discussions um, about the role is one thing I kind of made clear that I still wanted to be able to get out and about when when able to, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, COVID, COVID's an issue at the moment, putting a bit of a stop to that. But I'm still keen. I, I look after our Farmer of the Year awards. Um, I have done for 10 years and um, and still keen to be very much involved in that. I love just getting on the road and driving and and uh, meeting farmers and having a chat to them about what they're doing and, and the, the weird and wonderful ways they go about about business, I suppose. Yeah, so yeah. my life is my life's been very much on the road for the past couple of years. So, I think my record was from Longreach to Hay in a day. Um, but uh, it's uh, certainly going to slow down somewhat. But I'm still keen to um, get out and about when I can. Well, well, that's excellent because we all like hearing from James Wagstaff, who we sort of um, uh, we know how well you research things and how. Um, how important the facts are to you. So that's it's good that we're going to continue. Yeah. And I suppose having you in, in as the editor will mean that perhaps there'll be a bit more of that. And not that the Weekly Times is too bad on the facts, but um, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. It'd be nice yeah, to have exactly. your presence there. Yeah, so um, you, you mentioned um, um, industry awards and things. You get involved, probably people don't really know how much you get involved in things like the Rural, rural Press Club and... Um, community small communities you really like reporting on small community issues and things like that yeah um, absolutely hmm. yeah so tell us a bit about your time at um rural press club because um it comes and goes a bit and you seem to be behind the it does the returns, i suppose yeah so we've i've <laughs> saying that um yeah so i've been involved in the rural press club uh, Victoria, which is a great organisation run by a committee of about 15 um, volunteer journos and marketing um, and PR people from across the state. Um, and I most recently been president up until actually taking on this role as editor. Um, I'd still love to be involved in the in the committee going forward, but I've just kind of taken a bit of a step back the last couple of months. But it's a fantastic organisation. Um, I think regional um, journalism is such a an important um, industry to local local communities and it just really gives these guys a voice that they otherwise wouldn't wouldn't have um, and it's um, you know it's a fantastic thing to be involved in um, and hope to continue that into the future when things calm down a bit yeah so the industry awards that you're you're um, involved in you're you're still obviously going to be involved in some of that yeah, so we look after the um, the Weekly Times Coles Farm of the Year Awards, which has been obviously been going since full coming up for our tenth year next year, which is great. So it's a tenth yeah. year ten year anniversary we're looking at. So we it's open to farmers from across Australia. Um, uh, the one the one I suppose uh, key point is that you're profiled in the Weekly Times. Um, or one of our magazines uh, during the year, um, but it's a fantastic way of recognising um, farmers and and how they are striving to in, improve profits while you know keeping an eye on the environment or you know making real kicking some real goals um, across the board. So there's obviously. Um, uh, we've got dairy crops, horticulture, innovation, 
sheep and beef. So there's six categories and um, it, we've, we've had some great people involved over the years from, from pretty much every state. So it's, uh, and, you know, we're at Beef Week, Tom, um, and if you go around, walk around Beef Week and the amount of people that we ran into that have been involved in the awards over the years, it was, um, it's a fantastic thing to see. And it gives the Weekly Times kind of a, a bit of a profile outside its major footprint, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, okay. Mm. So, um, James, um, the media often get blamed, you know, for things like stud people, do, stud st- seed stock people do as well. I think there are some similarities in um, the integrity of what we do because um, you gather the information and present it and you can write really whatever you like. And to some degree, we gather the information on what we present too. And um, yeah. we can, and and so there is a a major a big responsibility to make sure that that information's correct. Yeah, um, I suppose. How, how do you sort of manage all that? And you know, in an advertise with with the thought of being able to sell the newspaper, keep it sensational and buzzy, so that you know you can keep up with your competitors and also deliver the truth. Because sometimes the truth's not as not as no, um, ju- juicy as fiction, is it? <laughs> no, it's not, 100%. <laughs> and um, I suppose we're working, you know, with, with you guys are working for your accuracy for your EBVs. We're working on our accuracy for our, our – our, we live and die by accuracy and um, that kind of stuff. So there's always with that, that fear or favour approach. Um, from our perspective, we're a fighter for rural and regional Australia in some respects. Um, we, we'll go hard on certain businesses and, or organisations that need a whack, but we're also the first ones to champion their successes. So, um, you know, to, to accuracy, as I said, yeah, is something you've got to live, live and die by. Um, at the end of the day, our journos have got two brands to protect. They've got the Marshead brand that they're professionally invested in, um, and they've got their own personal brand. Um, so it's your name at the top of the story. Um, and in our game, kind of credibility is everything. Um, and to get the real story, I think you've got to talk to people you disagree with as just as much as you talk to the people you agree with. So it's about finding that balance. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, you do a pretty good job. Obviously, we've seen some... Um, global events recently with um, the truth and fake news and things like this that um, has really um, what are your thoughts on you know how um, the truth is does get manipulated particularly um, in the US in US politics in the last four years yeah 100% and I'm a huge US politics fan Um, and it's been interesting to see the happenings over there in recent years Um, with people attacking media, um, and in, in some respects, media attacking media, it's become a bit of a blood spot as well. Um, so obviously concerned by that, any journo worth their salt would be. Um, you know, I look at some of the stories published in, published in the major metro newspapers the world over and scratch my head and wonder what the hell consumers are thinking, wanting to read some of that. Um, from a weekly time perspective, obviously we're lucky to have carved out a bit of a niche. Our readers will see that through that in an instant um, if we went down that path. So, yeah, it's obviously concerning. Journalism's had a bit of a, uh, yeah, a credibility whack, but I think um, if you're without fear or favour, if you're, you believe in what you're doing, I think um, that you've got, you've got that to stand by. Yeah, okay, good. So, um, James, um, 
Uh, we have a, a part of the reason we put Raw Ag together was a bit of a um, information source to try and, and I don't think it's working. I think what's happening to try and void a gap between rural and urban uh, understanding a little bit. Um, but I think our audience basically is all rural. They like listening to the rural chat, um, and the urban um, urban um, audience is not really interested. Um, and what can we do on that front, particularly um, Herald Weekly Times, who has, um, you know, banners basically in rural and in urban? Is there any any way that we can start to get news from the bush more accurately into urban life? Yeah, well, that's that's one of the things that I've been discussing um, uh, within within our organisation is how how do we get our more eyes on what is happening in the bush. Um, in, so, you know, pre- the Weekly Times as the expert on country life, how how that gets into the mainstream media like the Australian, the Herald Sun, the Daily Telegraph. So, yeah, we're working on a bit of a plan to do that. Um, just It's just a matter of um, getting, yeah, getting that audience engaged in what is happening in, in regional Australia and, I suppose, demystis, uh, you know, um, busting some of the myths that, that are associated with farming um, and stuff like that. Uh, COVID, with COVID, we're seeing, you know, this migration to the regions by a more informed population that are craving information 24-7. Um, and the cities, I suppose, the current burn times in ag and the regions have certainly got people sitting up and taking notice. So I think it's a it's an ideal opportunity to be able to get our voice out there and um, and sell sell the image of rural Australia and regional Australia as a go-ahead community um, that is um, uh, not kind of perceived like it's it's not what most city people perceive it to be. Yeah, because that is a concern for us, isn't it? As um, and, and you would call yourself a rural person, I'm sure you would. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's very frustrating when you see um, city commentators or media people making comment about uh, rural situations and then not getting the pronouns or the species right. Um, yes, you know the group the group nouns, I should say. You know, um, they just they just um, uh, it. it you can, it just you can t- tell straight away that um, you know they're outside of their outside of their expertise, their comfort zone. Yeah, and that's that's where the whole research and accuracy comes into things. You don't you don't speak on things unless you're an, an authority. I wouldn't have thought, or have you done your research on this? Um, so yeah. what we want to be, well, the Weekly Times just wants to be the voice of um, rural and regional Australia um, across our different mastheads that the the company owns. So we've we've having I'm having weekly meetings with um, with other metropolitan newspapers or the metropolitan kind of network about how we can go about getting um, country correct information into this city audience. So um, you know, there's a bit of uh, there's a media organisation uh, Clear Centre research company coming out of um, UCL Davis in the States, headed up by uh, Frank Middleona. Um, how do you um, make, you know, that sort of information is really probably on the edge of um, political correctness. 
Um, would obviously, if you publish some of his findings at the moment, then paper would cause, you know, quite considerable discussion. I would imagine. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Um, so what's so? Um, how do you confront those sorts of things in media? If you, um, I mean, because I think that some of those findings that that uh, that the Clear Centre and um, uh, you know should be getting into the media, and they don't tend to be, and I don't quite understand why they're not. So what are they saying, Tom? What's their... Well, they're, they're, they're saying things um, like that, um, you know, greenhouse g- gas emissions, uh, methane is a closed carbon cycle of 23 years and doesn't have anything like the the um, greenhouse warming effect of, uh, of releasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere that's been in... Um, in a solid for 300 million years. Um, and, you know, they're making these claims, which they understand, they're peer-reviewed. Um, and, um, you know, we just don't hear about it in the in the Australian media. Mm. So I think the farmers have just got... we, And it's our job to kind of... Um, to bust those myths, and it's the farmers' farmer body... Um, uh, farmer levy-funded levy bodies job to be on the front foot in in um, in busting any mistruths that are hurled agriculture's way. Yeah. James, our ag's going through a massive boom. You know, canola's going, what, $900 uh, a tonne, which is giving, it's going to give good yielding crops a huge return on asset and obviously beef and um, it's almost all across the board. Um, yeah, what, um, it's quite incredible times, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I think ag's got a huge story to tell at the moment. Um, you know, as as you said, we're seeing record farm gate returns. We're seeing unprecedented property prices. Um, there's been a huge turnaround in seasonal conditions across the country. I think I saw a, a drought map the other day that had had two little dots on it somewhere. So there's been such a massive um, turnaround in seasons that we couldn't have imagined two years ago looking at New South Wales. Um, so I think there's plenty of opportunity for the Weekly Times to fit into that space. Um, uh, you know, I, the Weekly Times I grew up with um, in the Riverina, which was very, it was very much our staple news source. There'd be a pile of old editions in the corner um, that would sit there for sometimes for months, sometimes for years. Um, I've been to funerals where the week people have been buried with the Weekly Times. So I very much understand how ingrained the masthead is in rural Australia. Um, but we're also conscious of how much times have changed and um, the very real need for us to be focused on the future. I think um, there are plenty of next generation farmers out there, sons and daughters of our traditional subscriber base that are sitting on machines that are worth millions of dollars that drive themselves and they're scrolling through their smartphones. They're probably somewhat less conservative than their parents might be. Um, They want to know about the next best thing and how it will make them money. Um, They want to be informed, uh, challenged and entertained at the same time and they're looking for looking to different mediums, the likes of video streaming or the likes of these podcasts to access that information. I think we need to better capitalise on that. Um, and as I said before, that COVID migration to the country is um, is augurs well for our readership. But as we said, like ag is absolutely booming at the moment, and it's a it's a fantastic space for us to be in. And so, with um, you know, with the change in the boom, um, obviously, 
you know, we're seeing um, massive amount of, of capital expenditure in ag in, um, you know, building new yards and all the spin-offs of, um, I know we're building a set of ca- cattle yards at the moment with um, uh, ProWay and um, they just they just are completely booked out for um, over 12 months out in front, which yeah, is wow. quite, quite extraordinary, really. Yeah. Um, so those those it's having great spin-offs for you know yeah. uh, and and things like um people don't understand that the extra money that in the system creates in livestock creates better animal welfare it creates better environment um outcomes environmental outcomes because you know it's very very hard to be green when you're in the red um yeah. and and <laughs> um and but you know i find that the local vet even is saying that um He's getting more calls because the animals are so valuable um, that they can justify um, having them looked at for every single scratch and disease that you know they or any concern that they have because of the extra value. And also, feed companies now, um, you know, particular, it's much, it's much a better feed, a better outcome financially to feed animals better and grow them faster. So there's really good spin-offs that have come about from um, this this boom in ag. Yeah, the more money washing through the system, I suppose, is 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 a great thing, especially for those regional communities that have done it tough over the past, yeah, you know, decade. So we're seeing a big shift to digital, and um, Weekly Times is you know taking that on. Um, how it's going to be an interesting time for you as editor. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's it's. It's interesting the digital market compared to our traditional market is is not the same audience as well. So it's it's quite a challenge we've got at, at curtailing our our content to suit both markets. So um, investment is one thing that we know um, appeals to people both in print and digital. But there are a number of um, different tweaks that we have to make to our stories that might appear in print. Um, to kind of suit an online audience, so it's it's actually quite interesting finding finding out the different um, needs and wants of that that um, readership base. And um, so you've written some a lot of articles. Do you, do you have any idea about how many articles you don't keep a tally on it? Oh God, no, I don't. No, <laughs> better no, be. be. Yeah, uh, be, yeah. I'd hate to think. What are what are the can have you got some favourites that you've really enjoyed doing or um... <sighs> yeah I do I do love doing farm as I said before to getting in a car and driving and talking to farmers about what they're doing they're so inspirational and you 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 turn up at a farmer's doorstep looking for one story and you come away with ten but um, I suppose uh, one of my real pet projects over the past couple of years has been ag investment. So in 2016, when there was a lot of controversy over that uh, S. Kidman & Co. selling a stake mm-hmm. to yep. the Chinese interests, um, you might remember, uh, yep. there was a lot of hoo-ha about that. Um, so I started doing a bit of research what? about far- farm ownerships um, yep. and the major players and where they came from. So it um, started with a fairly basic list of who owns Australia from publicly available information, websites and the like. People are very territorial about this. It's a very, it, yeah, you're walking through a minefield dealing dealing with farm ownership in Australia and it's very hard to extract some information. 
Um, but yeah. we've grown that we've grown that list to more than a thousand properties, and now that's our single biggest digital traffic driver to our website, um, yeah. and probably a major pillar of our Ag Journal magazine um, going forward. But yeah, people love a sticky beat. Don't they, Tom? They love knowing what their neighbours are doing or who they're selling to, or all that kind of stuff. So, James, this is probably, a, you know, an example of where the truth gets a bit bent. You know, people's perceptions often not the same as reality. Um, you know, people, you hear stories about how many, how much country China owns, but in reality it's actually not a great big percentage, is it? No, exactly. And China's probably winding back its investments more than anything um, as the likes of Canada and the US are ramping things up. I know when we post stories on social media, and I'm not saying social media is the is the um, benchmark of of anything, but it's um, anything to do with farm sales. Um, the comments, even if the people haven't read the story or um, have any understanding of the story, is that it's it's usually um, usually the comments are centred around it about not another farm sold to China, even though the story mightn't be about a farm selling to China. It might be a farm yep. about a story about a farm selling to an Australian farmer. But it's all, it's very much comments about how the, the government should stop, um, should stop farmers from selling their farms to China. So there's very much that perception out there, which is probably doesn't mirror the truth at the moment. No. And, uh, and you know, people also have to understand that they don't, that we actually just don't have enough capital of our own to own all the land. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, and you see these, you know, the, the, the one interesting thing that I have seen over the past five years, I suppose, is is where Canada's, that Canada PSP investment, uh, PSP, um, has come out of nowhere to be the biggest investor in Australian ag with about $4 billion worth of investments. Um, they're not just targeting one sector. They're, they're invested in cropping country. They're invested in nuts, pastoral, dairy, um, as well as infrastructure assets as well. So they see that um, uh, there is a uh, need for capital in Australian agriculture and they get good returns from it. So they're in putting their monies where their mouth is. And they're committed here for the long term too. PSP in particular is, is quite a young fund. Um, and uh, speaking to uh, some of their chiefs from Canada, um, they see their Australian investments as very much a... Um, a, a potential lifetime investment. Well, James, um, I was just wondering also, do you think, um, and I, I wasn't going to mention COVID, but I'm going to just because um, of something that it's taught us, and that's how to use um, QR codes. Are we going to see a newspaper full of QR codes in the future? Well, funny you say that. We are starting to use more, more QR codes <laughs> than we have in the past, but um, I think that's... <laughs> That's working well. We've got one now on our page two of our edition each week to drive people to use our app. Um, but, yeah, that's, you, it will be quite interesting. There might be the need or th there might be um, the situation where QR codes uh, sit on top of a photo or a, within a story and then you scan that to see a video of the people on um, farming and that kind of stuff. So, it's, look, there's interesting times ahead. By no means a mile over it, but I'm um, yeah more, more than willing to to kind of be be told by the the experts about how that might work. 
But it, it is interesting, isn't it, the way that we've been forced to start to use them or yeah. not forced, but, you know, and, and help to use them because yeah. um, we've actually we've actually just put them on all of our vehicles for startups, you know, for not, oh, you wow. know, not everyday startup, but you, so every employee now just knows that they get their camera out and shine it at the QR code and then they're filling out whether they checked, checked the oil and washed the windows and, and submit it. And so... Oh. Um, a very simple thing to do. Now everyone knows how to do it. But if you tried to implement that twelve months ago, it would have been they wouldn't have a really, really hard to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's just a part of everyday life, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm scanning a barcode to get into our office. I'm um, scanning a barcode to go to the supermarket. Like it's just yeah. it's part and parcel of what you do nowadays. Yeah. So James, um, what are the um, we get onto the three M's. What are the um, mistakes that you've made in your career? Oh, ones I'm willing to own up to, or um, <laughs> no? There's um, obviously, oh God, as a young cadet reporter, I'd hate to think how many mistakes I made. I remember calling, calling, uh, doing a story with getting a story out of a magazine at one point, and. Um, chasing that up but I completely chased the wrong story and the wrong family and we published it and I remember getting an absolute bollocking from my chief of staff at the time but you know it's I think with mistakes you've just got to own up and learn from them um, as I said before accuracy is everything credibility is everything in journal in journalism if you don't have that you you're you're kind of slow out of the block so I think it's just a matter of owning up to the to the mistakes and um, and learning from them, and that's something that happens up, no matter how experienced you become. Mistakes are going to happen. You've just got to own them, including there's one in the Weekly Times today. Oh dear! <laughs> so there, there was a famous mistake made by a um, Weekly Times editor. Are you aware of the the Daphne error? No, uh, I'm not. So uh, it was many years ago, but a, a editor or a, someone who was putting out. Um, the shop, what are those shop front banners called that you drop the, a headline in just to advertise the newspaper for the week? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, Go um, inside the cage. Yeah, yeah. The news, yeah, um, it's literally the poster, the newspaper poster. The, yeah, yeah, the newspaper poster. They're desperate to get one out and um, struggling to come up. It was late and um, uh, had a, there was a section in the horticultural section where um, someone was, there was an article on um, on Daphne and, um, and rooting Daphne for, it was time to do that. And the oh, headline fantastic. poster was dropped in all the news agents the next day and it, it read, time to root Daphne. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I'm pretty sure that's the Weekly Times. Yeah, wow. It's a good one to own. <laughs> <laughs> Whether we leave that in or not, kegs. I don't yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, oh dear. We might have to fact check that one. But I was yeah, told exactly. that. A, I was told that at a, at a Weekly Times Media Day we had years ago. Oh really? Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um. So, um, what about masterpieces, James? Uh, well, I suppose we've already touched on it. I'd. The ag investment side of things, um, I've had numerous kind of exclusives on that side of things. Um, so that seems to be where my passion is. Um, and, you know, at the moment I had had an exclusive yesterday about um, uh, properties in Northern Victoria, Northern Victoria selling for $120 million. Um, but rural properties prices are flying at the moment, obviously. Um, 
with this, all those big ticket portfolios up to up for sale. Um, you know, the Shenhua Group in on the Liverpool Plains selling there sixteen thousand hectares for one hundred and twenty-two million. The obviously the Coronella Group down in your neck of the woods in in Western Victoria and South Australia, um, three hundred and fifty million. You've got Lawson's Grain, the Aussie, the Macquarie Ag Fund. Uh, $600 million. And Gina, of, of course, selling her stations, Gina Reinhardt selling her stations in Northern Australia for $300 million. So I think um, ag investment is where is probably one of my, is if we can have a masterpiece, I'd call that my masterpiece, Tom. My interest right. in that is is bordering on psychotic, but um, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing to be involved in, and particularly at the moment because every week there's a new story to tell. James, what about your mentors? Uh, mentors, like I've got I've worked with many great journalists over the years. Um, some who've gone on to big and brighter things within Australian journalism and and overseas. Um, Weekly Times, many journalists from, if we're naming names, um, Brian Clancy, who was my first livestock editor, to Jenny Kelly, who I worked is one of Australia's greatest market reporters to. Ed Gannon, our former editor, who I who I've taken over from, um, they're all been um, fantastic mentors in in um, in giving me the resources to tell the stories, but also guiding me along the way. Um, from a, but from I think from an ag perspective, it's the innovative farmers that inspire me more than anything. Um, it's talking to them about what they're doing and how they're going about their business, and then and then. Um, on how they their kind of views for the future that um, really inspires me and I suppose their mentors as well in that respect. Hey, James, thank you very much for being on the Raw Ag Podcast and congratulations again uh, your new appointment as editor of the Weekly Times. It's really exciting and it's great having you at the helm because, as I said before, um, we like... Uh, as rural people, I'm sure I speak for most of us um, that we like hearing or reading what you have to say. So, well done and thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks, Tom. Catch up soon. If you're enjoying the Raw Ag podcast, make sure you rate and review on your favourite podcast app.